0: This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit FilmGeekRadio.com for more great
1: shows. Hey movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer Monica Castillo.
0: Hello again.
1: How are you doing Monica?
0: I don't have another pitch joke. <laughs> pitching joke. I'm out of pitchy punnies, or punny pitches. Pitches not, are, are, on a pun pitches on a pun note.
1: Are you are you doing pitching?
0: I'm I'm pitching here.
1: <laughs> I'm pitching too. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, this is part 2 of Episode number 22 of Cinema Fix focused on the movie Pitch Perfect. So if you're looking for part one, you're listening to the wrong file. If this is your first time listening to Cinema Fix, you should be aware that this is the show on Film Geek Radio devoted to discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. And each week, we release an episode in two parts. The first part is a general spoiler-free discussion, and the second part, which you're listening to right now, is the more in-depth analysis of the film, complete with spoilers. And it's designed to be listened to after you've seen the film. Again, this is part two. So if you don't want to be spoiled, stop listening now and go check out part one of our episode on Pitch Perfect. But uh, before we start to really analyze the film, here's another clip.
0: What's your name? Fat Amy. Um, you call yourself Fat Amy? Yeah, so uh, Twig Bitch is like, you don't do it behind my back. Hmm. I will. See you at auditions fat, Amy. I can sing, but I'm also good at modern dance, olden dance, and uh, mermaid dancing. She's a little different. usually start on the ground. Ooh, it's a lot of floor work. I see that. All
1: right, Monica, in part one of our discussion, it seems like we both thought the film was fun, but we didn't think there was anything special about it. I, I do think that there are some interesting things we could talk about related to this movie, though. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw things over to you and let you get things started. What really caught your attention uh, when, when you were watching Pitch Perfect?
0: Well, what caught my attention just first off the bat is, wow, there's a lot of chicks in this film.
1: Yes, lots of girl power.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm kind of okay with that. <laughs>
1: you it's know, very it's, refreshing
0: It is very refreshing We can almost count on the number of times We have an all-female ensemble Cast on one hand Usually by the end of the year So the fact that we have an entry Any entry Is, um, you know, fun It's exciting for me um, I like that the girls They do have their, pro- their problems in between But they do talk it out There's a lot of cattiness But, you know, that's because of trauma at the end, you know, they all make nice and they all make peace and, you know, they, they bring the group together. So I think that was also really nice to to have. It was also that same sort of catharsis that we saw with Bridesmaids is that the two the two warring groups, set aside their differences, and brought the group together again.
1: I, I think you're right. It is interesting that this is a film that is pretty much an all-girl movie in terms of the big stars, um, and it, it, it kind of sets up this central conflict as girls versus guys, and then ultimately the girls have to come in and kick ass. Yeah. Um, so there's this interesting battle of the sexes going on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, what did you think of that whole dynamic?
0: In terms of just the battle of the sexes?
1: Yeah, there was a part of my brain that was like, this is really interesting, and then there was another part of my brain that was like, well, why don't they just mix it up a little bit? You know, go co-ed. And-
0: yeah, there was, that, there was that group that loved Madonna that was all co-ed. Right. Then for whatever reason, they didn't dress like Madonna. They dressed like really preppy with bright colors. Okay. The United Colors of Benetton? I don't know. But um, no, I thought it was actually kind of fun and put it more into the campy sort of, you know, genre of this is this is just ridiculous. You know, because a lot of the things get really over the top kind of fast. And so I th- I found that more fun than, you know, harmful. I felt it was pretty innocent.
1: I, I, I kind of liked how it made the troublemakers, the all-male group, a, seem a little bit more villainous, yes. because there's almost this casual, sexist attitude that they have towards mm-hmm. everyone else. It, it, you know, It's not just, we're better than you, yeah. it's, we're better than you, and you're just a group of girls.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and the main bad guy or whatnot makes a lot of jokes about, oh yeah, he can get chicks, man. It's kind of nasty dude bro that way. But I also like the fact that even within the group of the troublemakers, they're not all bad eggs. It's mostly just that diva in the center and front and center. Um, because the love interest for Anna Kendrick's character is, you know, not a bad guy. And we see that some of the other ones also are usually on the fence on how they treat the Bellas,
1: right? You know the the, the leader of the Bellas, Aubrey, uh, played by Anna Camp, who, who, by the way, I think is around thirty years old, and she's too old to be in this kind of movie. <laughs> Other than that, I thought she did a great job. But I was thinking to myself, you're too old to be. Whatever. She falls group. under
0: the Beverly Hills 90210 thing. Yes. You're yes. <laughs> never too old to play <laughs> x screw.
1: I, you know, I, I did think it was interesting how she took this very strict stance regarding sexuality. And it was pretty much like, yes, you can sleep with whoever you want, but not the troublemakers. And she seemed very kind of strict and traditional and proper. And this is really overanalyzing it. And I, I, I'm, I know I'm going too far with what I'm about to say. Nope, bring it on. I was kind of reminded of the different approaches to feminism Mm -hmm. that have occurred throughout history and the debate over, you know, how should women use their bodies and how should women use their sexuality?
0: Oh, this is why we're friends. This is why we're friends. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) You know, it's true that men can objectify women, but on the other hand, perhaps women can use that objectification is a form of empowerment to manipulate men and so on. And, and and so I thought that that whole issue of sexuality within the group was kind of interesting because, again, Becca's acting as this new approach who's kind of like, well, is it really such a big deal if we have sex with the troublemakers? Really? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I did think that was interesting.
0: That's That's great that you pointed that out. I didn't pick up on that, but...
1: I'm sure that was not going through the writers' minds at all. I mean, just kind of what popped into my head.
0: figured that one out, so
1: (laughs) it just got me thinking about attitudes towards sexuality.
0: Well, 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 gender. It's gender,
1: right? Attitudes towards gender, and I was (laughs) reminded of the attitudes of uh, conservative religious groups regarding sexuality. Almost like, no, no, no. If you if you break the sexual mores of this group, you're you're out. We're going to expel you. Yeah. So that so that was interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. This is an awesome theory. Wish I came <laughs> up with it. <laughs> Sorry
1: to... I'm, I'm, I don't think that that was... In the Again, I don't think that was intentional on behalf of the writers. That's fine. I, I just came what up I with of.
0: a really religious question when I came up to uh, Cabin in the Woods, and then I asked Drew Goddard, and he was like, no, but that sounds really cool. <laughs>
1: right, right. So, you know, there's, there's, uh, that's the cool thing about movies is that there's tons of, you know, each person's going to bring their own unique interpretation to them. Um, yeah. But I, I do want to say I'm a little bit cynical when it comes to movies like this. And Uh when it comes to shows like Glee, because Mm -hmm. I feel like at this point they've just become corporate product. I feel like studios have realized that now musicals are kind of in, but not original musicals.
0: I I was going to say, like, musicals is kind of stretching it. Right. Because the music sequences don't exactly, I guess, help the plot progress. They're mostly there as, like, what they're competing against. the thing that they're using to compete amongst each other in that sense. But continue.
1: Right. And, and none of the songs are original. They're all pre-existing yeah. songs from popular artists. And I feel like studios are kind of using that just as a cash grab because it's like, well, these songs are popular, so mm-hmm. the movie will be popular. We can probably sell some CDs because not only is there a pitch perfect soundtrack, but a lot of the songs are actually owned by Universal, who's the film's distributor.
0: <gasps> so, surprise, surprise. Right,
1: right. Not all of the songs, but some of them. Yeah. So, of course, you know, maybe some CDs will start flying off the shelves and Universal will, will make some more money that way. So the cynical side of me just wants to kind of view this film as, as, as just a, a, a movie made for the money. That said, it's a fairly enjoyable cash grab.
0: I mean, to be honest, like, most of the acapella concerts or performances I've been dragged to or been privy to or whatever, I come across them accidentally on college campus back in the day. They were all songs that people knew. I mean, it either like in the beginning, it was like an old fashioned song from like the 70s or so is what the Bellas were using to compete with. And that's exactly what I would hear. And then sometimes they would, oh no, remix with, you know, a more recent song. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm stretched now, but the art form of a arca- cappella is more or less based on the fact of referencing pop culture. So, oh, you are sure. not. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't, I can't really say I know of original composure, or even if I saw any uh, performances on my college campuses that were original songs um, made for the group, by the group, is just automatically self referential.
1: No, no, no. I, 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 you're right. You know, a cappella music is usually of pre existing songs. Yeah. 99.9% of the time. I, I'm just saying the decision to make a movie. Based on acapella seems yeah. like uh, it, it's attempting to exploit that um, in order to make some money and to capitalize on the the, the music TV craze.
0: Oh, you know? it's it's totally to exploit that. I mean, this is what the second acapella movie that we see. I'm including the the Glee movie because that was a thing that was released into theaters last year. But with that, you know, oh, I, I kind of hope... Huh, this is me not liking acapella, mostly. Sorry, I have a bias. But I think this is just like a phase or like a trend that's going to come and go because we're just going to be so oversaturated. We're just going to be done with it. And then, you know, maybe they'll, they'll still go on, probably, on the side because people will, will have liked this form of music for a long time now. And they yeah, they've kept it on college campuses or whatnot. So they'll... It won't go away completely, but I don't see it being as mainstream as it is right now.
1: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I I, want to talk a little bit more about the marketing for the film, because as we mentioned in part one, this is definitely targeting Bridesmaids fans who also watch Glee. Yes. That's basically what this is. I mean, if you look at the poster for Pitch Perfect, which is just the leading ladies of the Bellas up against Mm -hmm. the wall, it's... Mm -hmm. A, almost a direct copy of the Bridesmaids poster. Yeah. And a lot of the comedy felt very similar to Bridesmaids. You know, Bridesmaids had that one gross-out scene involving uh, diarrhea. <laughs> and wedding dresses. <laughs> and wedding dresses. And this film has kind of this really random gross-out scene involving vomit.
0: Crazy amounts of vomit. Like, not just a little puddle. No, no, no. This is like a small, like, wading pool of vomit. And right. one of the characters falls into it and ends up doing like a snow angel in the middle yes. of the bomb.
1: Vomit yeah. angel. Vom angel. It just felt really forced to me, that joke. The thing about Bridesmaids was that it was surprising, yes, but it was just so funny Mm-hmm. You didn't mind that it was it it kind of came out of left field, yeah, and the you know this movie I felt like was just trying to mimic that, and it didn't it it wasn't as successful
0: well, so here's my thing so the the vomit you know swimming pool wasn't a realistic thing that could happen now, anyone who's ever been into a multi layered huge humongous dress and had to have gone to the, and had to use the bathroom, knows exactly what a panic mode you can go into. So, like, the reason why I was, I was almost crying in the scene of Bridesmaids when she's, like, she's trying to find the bathroom, and um, Maya Rudolph's character, and ends up just going out into the street. Because, obviously, it's not the thing you would do, but it's the thing you would go, Oh, my God, I am in huge amounts of trouble.
1: <laughs> right.
0: So... In that sense, it, it does go over the top. But I think it does go over the top in many other ways. Just even the language that, you know, the girls use among each other. You know, again, the pigeon joke and the aca-awkward.
1: <laughs> right. The, 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 the thing about Bridesmaids was that the characters in Bridesmaids seemed, to a certain extent, like real people. And so, when, you know, when you've got that scene with Maya Rudolph in the wedding dress... It's not just funny. You, you feel really bad for her, yes. Which just makes it even funnier. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, like you
0: shouldn't be laughing because this is such a bad situation, but it's so funny.
1: Right. And 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 in this movie, the character doing the the vom angel, if, yes. if we want to call it that, is kind of like the weirdo character.
0: And she's a great character, too. Just I, a side note. I did
1: not like her as a character.
0: <laughs> what was it? I light fires to keep my soul warm or something like that. It's just, it's just random asides of, like, oh, my God, she's insane. I, I don't know. I had fun with her. This is a dark humor.
1: Yeah, she just makes these random comments that imply she's, like, a serial killer or something. And I don't, it, I don't know. I, I, that, that just didn't work. For me, but uh, the, the other thing I really want to talk about, particularly related to bridesmaids, is Rebel Wilson, who yes. is in bridesmaids. Now she's in this movie, and she's basically taken on the Melissa McCarthy role.
0: Well, I was going to say quick quick aside with Rebel Wilson because also you know tying her to this is also Bachelorette, which I think would probably right. be the polar opposite of um, Pitch Perfect. Just
1: to a certain extent, yes, and that was another film that uh, that was trying to to kind of be another bridesmaids you know it was about a wedding it was focused on women uh very raunchy humor um Mm -hmm. so rebel wilson seems to have been in a string of these films uh since bridesmaids that yeah here's the thing in pitch perfect she's trying or it seems like the writers have written her character fat amy they're trying to piggyback on the success of Melissa McCarthy. And I think Rubble Wilson is funny, and I think she does a good job in the role. My question would be, do you feel like this character is quote-unquote fat positive? In the sense that, is it presenting overweight people in a positive way? And personally, I don't think it is.
0: I was going to say, I, my, my response would be half sees because there are some moments where she, you know, takes a stand for things or I think one of the most touching moments, uh, touching quote unquote uh, moments would be like when she's hit with the burrito and, you know, that's a real sign of like, bu- it's a, like a bullying moment. Uh, one of the boys from the troublemakers hits her with a burrito in order for her not to put the gas in the car. And she's like really sad about it, but she, you know, she keeps soldiering on or whatnot. She's obviously comfortable with her body and is out there. But the thing is, where I would say, and now here's the bad part, is that a lot of the times it's she's comfortable with her body and she's out there and she's taking it on stage and the boys are laughing at her and it shows like, oh, she's being ridiculous. So in that sense, it's shaming her instead of empowering her.
1: I do think that there is a big difference between... Rebel Wilson's character in Pitch Perfect, Fat Amy, and Melissa McCarthy in Bridesmaids, or Melissa McCarthy in in general. Mm -hmm. Um, Before Pitch Perfect, there was a trailer for the new Melissa McCarthy movie, and it got me thinking about how she's presenting herself in film. And the thing about Melissa McCarthy is that, yes, she's overweight, but not only does she not seem to care about that and because she seems very confident in her own body. She seems like a positive, happy person. Mm-hmm. She seems like she's committed to what she's doing. She's All of her characters work hard. They're successful. They're funny. Compare that to Fat Amy in Pitch Perfect, who doesn't seem like she takes care of herself. She's very lazy. She doesn't want to do Cardio. Yeah. So it's even though she's comfortable with her body, it's continuing to perpetuate all the negative connotations that Mm -hmm. people think of when they when they think of being obese and overweight. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: No, it totally does. In addition to that, um, I mean, for the last couple of movies, and I'm also going to throw in um, the what to expect with you're expecting,
1: because she's also in that. Um, oh, I, d- I didn't see that. What was her character like in that film?
0: I mean, it, basically, it's variations on the same character. I mean, she's basically become a sort of like character actress and then depending on what the movie is or what the role calls upon is however ditzy she turns into. So really it's the same, like, uh, kind of awkward sort of humor, but she could either be relatively intelligent in here and she's, you know, she's not as ditzy as her character in Bridesmaids, let's say, um, where she gets a tattoo from a van, a guy in a van.
1: (laughs) Right, right. The the thing about... Her, about Fat Amy you know she is very similar to the to the character in Bridesmaids in that she does seem to be kind of a slob very unhygienic kind of lazy uh, a little bit weird mm-hmm. and it, 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 it just doesn't seem like a very positive portrayal of an overweight person it, it, it definitely seems to me like we're supposed to laugh at her and yeah. she's making herself and her body the the object of the comedy whereas i feel like melissa mccarthy tends to take on roles where she's not defined by the fact that she's overweight that's just one additional element yeah i feel like rebel wilson tends to take on roles where she is defined by the fact that she is the overweight one
0: or at least the punchlines are centered around the fact that it's funny because she's fat right and that's that's not helping anybody
1: the one exception to that, I would say is Bachelorette, where mm-hmm. she does play someone who's seems to be very put together, mm-hmm. uh, very comfortable in her own body she 's got good self esteem and she 's a genuinely nice, compassionate person yeah, in that film oh yeah, so there's a part of me that wishes she would play more characters like that. But it, it's really interesting to compare her to Melissa McCarthy and just see the the the, the different types of characters that they're playing. Yeah. Because it's two completely different tracks of comedy based mm-hmm. around some very similar attributes. Yeah. You know, when I was watching Pitch Perfect, I liked Rebel Wilson, but in the back of my mind, I was thinking, I kind of feel guilty for laughing. <laughs> If if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, some of those. It's like, it's it's kind of, you know, again, but it's, you know, she has those moments where she's like, oh, I call myself fat, Amy because then otherwise I know the kids would do it behind my back. And you're like, oh, shit. And then, you know, then it'll be that joke there. She doesn't want to do the cardio. And she's like, what? Every day?
1: (laughs) Right. Compare that to the most McCarthy character in Bridesmaids, where I feel like if you told that character, hey, you have this goal, you need to kill yourself to reach it, I feel like that character would totally do it.
0: Oh, yeah, because she was, you know, she was like, what, in the CIA or something?
1: Right. She'd be like, yeah, bring on the cardio. You kidding? I, I have a goal. I'm hardworking. I'm confident. I'm going to go for it. Yeah. So, yeah, I just thought it was interesting to compare those two presentations of overweight characters. The, the, the last thing I want to touch on that stuck out to me in Pitch Perfect is here's another film aimed at teenagers and young people that's referencing John Hughes and is kind of like, oh, man, those John Hughes movies, they were great, weren't they? You should really go back and take a look at those again.
0: Nope. Nothing wrong with that.
1: Here's the thing. I like John Hughes. I adore John Hughes. Makes some great movies. <laughs> It is it, time to stop with the John Hughes love in movies in this mm-hmm. decade. Okay, we it, 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 we're done. It's saturated. Okay,
0: I mean, cause it it's too it's too soon to like throw up. I guess um, and be dazed and confused or so from the '90s. Even though it's referencing the '70s.
1: Why not? I I I just feel like we need something new. I mean, Easy A, the whole thing was just a love letter to John Hughes. And there have been other movies since then that referenced John Hughes. And I'm just tired of it. I'm kind of like, okay, pick another reference.
0: No, I'm kind of okay with the Breakfast Club love. And I was like, oh, my God, I totally have that shirt that says, don't you forget about me. (laughs) (laughs) And I kind of like it, too, that she was like, oh, I never watch movies. And he was like, what? And then, you know, she watches the movie. She's like, this isn't half bad. <laughs> <laughs> why did it
1: have to be John Hughes, though? Because
0: it has an awesome freaking score. That's why it was the whole music part, because they sang it at the finale. Is all for a music tie-in. Why not
1: pick something else? You know
0: what? What other song would you would you like to end with, other than "Don't You Forget About Me"? Because that's just a nice song, like a perfect song for your your young twenties or whatever your teenage
1: years. I don't know. Pick another one. Because people movie are, from the- people
0: are pick- gonna change. Shit's gonna happen. But then you know what? Don't you? Forget about
1: me. Pick another movie from the 80s. You take my breath away from Top Gun. I don't care.
0: Ew, are you kidding me? And I, this is something, I love <laughs> Berlin, but don't, no, that song, <laughs> Jessica Simpson's done that song and ruined it. So no, that song's dead.
1: I'm just saying, I, I, you know, don't get me wrong, I like John Hughes. I Purple like Rain. Song. <laughs> I'm just, Purple Rain, just something, just <laughs> not John Hughes, okay? I'm tired of movies referencing take me with you. John Hughes. <laughs> Okay. again, it it just it's gotten to a point where whenever I see a John Hughes reference in a movie, I no longer think, oh, it's great that you like John Hughes. I think to myself, oh, you're copying Easy A and all the other movies that have referenced John Hughes.
0: Wait, Okay. so other than Easy A that apparently did it really hard or so, what what else would you say?
1: I, I am positive I have seen one or two. Other films ah, that reference Sean okay. Hughes.
0: Do you think it's because since he's passed away?
1: May it maybe that has something to do with it. I And then everyone
0: know. who remembered uh, the eighties uh, during their teens or whatever were like, Oh my god, this is an era that is officially over.
1: Yeah, I we should put it into our movie. Every movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm and okay I, I, with this. <laughs> I'm, I'm not okay with it. Okay. <laughs> it was cool the first time. It is no longer cool. In it's my fine. Opinion. But-
0: Pretty and pink. Let's go. Weird science. I'm, we can keep going. All of them have awesome music. I don't know what you're talking about. The psychedelic Furs, Pretty and Pink. I mean, let's just keep going.
1: Well, is there anything else you'd like to talk about regarding Pitch Perfect? Because I've thrown out some of the stuff that stuck out to me about the film. Yeah. W- what got your brain going with this movie? Anything?
0: No, it was... uh, I mean, it's it's
1: kind of a mindless movie, but... but It is. It's kind of a mindless movie. There's
0: there's no overarching things about, you know, I guess, socioeconomic (laughs) issues. And there's a recession on... No, it's just, you know, mindless entertainment.
1: Let me ask you this. Because I know you're like me, and you tend to overanalyze some of the sociological issues in movies. I was a little bit disturbed by... The, the 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 jokes related to race and homosexuality, and I'm 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 not sure if I, I you know I don't want to be too PC.
0: I mean I also know that that exists in Glee as well, right? And that's why they have the special episodes. They deal with these issues.
1: Well, well, well. The thing is, you okay? You've got the African American girl in the group played by um, Esther Dean, who mm-hmm. is an actual singer, songwriter. Yeah. And she plays the lesbian, and they basically just characterize her as this sex-hungry nymphomaniac who just cannot stop trying to hit on everyone else in the group.
0: Yeah, which, yeah, that is, that was one thing that did bother me. I also found it disturbing that they were in jokes between, I think it was Rebel Wilson and not so much Anna Kendrick. She would just listen to the joke. But, um... It was like, I have, when they start telling the confessions or whatever, Wilson's character, Fat Amy, um, makes a comment. Like when the, uh, Esther Dean's character stands up to say, I have a confession to make. And she's like, I knew it. There was a reference before that. It's like, oh, she's the lesbian. And then it turns out that she has a gambling problem. They're like, well, I didn't expect that. It's so like, what? I mean, you know.
1: But, but I- then, But then she reveals that she does have a girlfriend.
0: She does have a girlfriend. Or, or yeah. she
1: broke up with her girlfriend or something. Yeah. Um and the, the the other thing that kinda bothered me was the whole thing with, with Anna Kendrick's character, Becca, and her roommate, her Asian roommate.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was very cliquish and very cliquish,
1: very antisocial. Social only hangs out with other Asians, which is to some extent true to life, to be fair. But some I I think that the movie went a little bit overboard when there's that one part where her roommate and her roommate's friends walk in the room and see Becca with Jesse and mm-hmm. she just says something like oh the white girl's back yeah and it's this it, it's kind of perpetuating this idea of reverse racism
0: mhm
1: and it, it it just really kind of bothered me yeah i got the impression overall that the the the, the underlying politics of the film were very conservative in regards to some of these issues. Still funny, but kind of bothered me.
0: Which is weird because, again, director being from Avenue Q is pretty progressive.
1: Right. But uh, anything else you want to talk about in regards to Pitch Perfect?
0: No, I think we've kicked it around long enough.
1: Alright, I think that will wrap it up for part two of our discussion of Pitch Perfect here on Cinema Fix. Don't forget to tune in next week when we will be discussing Argo with Ben Affleck. Do you think he can sing? I'm
0: sure he can. I mean, he's, you know, directing and I'm sure also doing catering at some points. I mean, he can probably do it all.
1: Well, I'm going to be very disappointed if he doesn't sing in Argo. Uh, I'm just going to throw that out there.
0: Spo- can't, spoiler?
1: Oh, you've seen it. You've seen it. Don't spoil it. Don't spoil it for me.
0: He doesn't sing.
1: What? He doesn't sing. He doesn't go into Iran and, and pitch a musical film?
0: No, it's actually
1: oh.
0: it's sci-fi. Because, you know, what really gets everyone interested in your picture is when you say, it's a sci-fi.
1: <laughs> All right, I'm officially calling for a reboot of Argo that involves a musical number. So I'm just throwing that out there. All right. We'd love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes. So if you liked this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the show. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. That helps cover some of our costs and uh, it pays for some of uh, the programming on Film Geek Radio, including our brand new show all about the ABC series Last Resort, Dispatches from St. Marina. Monica, where can people find you online?
0: People can find me online on the Twitters at mcasti Movies that's M C A S T I Movies I'm also on Tumblr and uh the Boston Phoenix uh, Dig Boston and the Boston Online Film Critics Association and Now Bitch Magazine
1: I'm Andrew Johnson you can find my writing at filmgeekradio.com you can also follow me on Twitter at twitter.com/writerandrew if you do follow me be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener and I will follow you back All right, that'll do it for this episode of Cinema Fix. I'm Andrew Johnson.
0: I'm Monica Castillo.
1: And have fun this week getting high on cinema and try not to get pitch slapped. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!